0: Good morning, church. How are you? Good morning. morning. Kids are free to go. Be blessed. Tom's not here. I know April Fool's was a week and a half ago. I apologize. I did bring some comfort food. (laughs) It's a podcast. He won't see it. (laughs) I am honored to come and speak to you. Uh, As Ryan said, uh, I am one of your elders. I'm one of the Roys. Uh, The other elder Roy is back there, Roy Craner. So I'm not Tom. I'm not one of the Ryans, but I am one of the Roys. So (laughs) just so everybody's got it straight. Tom is away. He did perform a wedding yesterday for Zach and Mallory. Hallelujah. That's awesome. We're talking about born again to a living hope today. This is week 10 in the gospel experiment. Have you guys been having fun with that? We've been doing the readings? God been blessing you? It's awesome. We have one more week, and then we're going to start a new series called The Rolling Stone on Easter. So today, born again to a living hope. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we know that your word is powerful, and we know that it's true. I pray, dear Lord, that you would give us soft hearts to receive what you have for us today, that you would just speak boldly in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's dig into this word called hope. Since we're talking about living hope, we use that word a lot. Some of you uh, got here a few minutes ago and you're saying, I hope that this sermon is quick. I hope that it's painless. I have things to do. Got any Bronco fans in the house today? I hope the Broncos win the Super Bowl. You'll never hear those words out of Paul Jacobs' mouth. So (laughs) good, good luck with that one. Students of Western, raise your hands, identify yourself. I hope that I finish my degree at Western in less than seven years and under budget. We heard a lot of this the last few weeks, the NCAA men's basketball playoffs. I hope my team wins. And my team is going to take on a lot of different flavors in a group like this. Who picked the Yukon Huskies to win it all? Wow, you guys are good. We have to talk more to you guys, okay. So <laughs> it was a dog fight last Monday night. It was down to the Butler Bulldogs and the Yukon huskies, and so somebody was hoping probably somebody else. Uh, I was kind of cheering for a team out of East Texas, but they didn't go there, so you never know. okay. Because people are imperfect, okay? Some of us can relate to this one. All my friends, they're imperfect. I hope that my cat, dog, or other pet will be by my side, will take care of me. Perhaps my hope is in my pet. Lastly, here's one of mine. I hope that my daughters find and marry the greatest Christian young man on the face of the earth, just like their mom did. I want you to put your fingers in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. We're going to get to it in just a second. I'm going to ask Ryan to bring it back up, or up on the screen for us in a moment. But first, we want to talk about living hope. I want to talk about one of the authorities from the New Testament. He was a fisherman. Got any fishermen in the house this morning? Fishing women? Good. Okay. So let's look at his credentials, Okay. He was from a place called Caperna- Capernaum on the uh, Sea of Galilee. And uh, he wrote a really powerful message that we're going to look at in just a second. He was a disciple of Jesus. He walked on both land and water with Jesus. Okay, Not too many people have that on their resume. He was one of the first people to state that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He went so far as to try and protect his Savior when they came to get him in the garden and they were going to arrest him. You remember what he did? He pulled out a sword and he cut the ear off of the servant that was of the high priest. Jesus put it back on and kind of uh, rebuked him and educated everybody a little bit. But uh, he denies Jesus three times, exactly like Jesus foretold that he would. It wasn't the end, though. After Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection He wasn't the first one to the tomb, but he was among the first to go and see the empty tomb where Jesus' body had been laid. He met the risen Jesus while he was out fishing with some of his fellow disciples. You recall they were out in the boat, Jesus' song, he told them to put their nets on the other side, they recognized who they were talking to. So he fished with Jesus, some of you fishermen will like that. He was assured by a risen Jesus that he would play a critical part in the church, in the early church, that he was going to be a witness, he was going to be a minister. You recall that Jesus asked him three times if he loved him, he gave him a charge. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, he preached a sermon and 3,000 people came to know a living Jesus Christ. That was awesome. He would later go on to be martyred for his belief in his Savior, and then he wrote some words to, before he died, he wrote some words to believers in Asia Minor. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 1, we're not going to read all of verse 1, but they're listed there, the Roman provinces, he's writing to the believers in that setting. Let's look at verse 3, if I could have verse 3 through 5 up on the screen, please, and 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed to you in the last time. That's a lot. There's a whole bunch there. So we're going to unpack a little bit of it here. We'll talk a little bit about this living hope. First of all, let's talk about being born again. It talks about being born again to that living hope. Begotten anew, born again, born in the spirit. Remember the discussion that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus was a Pharisee and he kind of had to come to Jesus undercover he didn't do it out in front of his friends and stuff. And Jesus told him about being born again, being born in the Spirit. And he was confused. He's like, I don't know how to go back to my mother's womb. And Jesus talked to him about it. It was a very powerful message. That's what Peter's alluding to here. And he talks about being born again into this living hope that we're talking about. How does that come about? It comes about by Jesus' death and his resurrection, the fact that he overcame death. I told the guys in the first service, I gotta be careful or I'm gonna preach the Easter sermon here this morning. A good friend of mine that was visiting uh, the Jacob's family, Paul and Alita, his name is Ray, he was reminding me that if we're doing it right, we should be preaching the Easter sermon every day. So hopefully we won't stray too far. Let's look at some of the rest of that verse. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, our future in Christ, it's eternal Our eternal inheritance is described as imperishable. That means it's indestructible. It's undefiled. So it's free from any kind of stain or imperfection. It's unfading. It's not going to disappear. We're absolutely assured and secure. Does that sound a little bit different than some of the hope statements we started out with this morning? We were kind of talking about I hope for this, I hope for that. Its outcome is uncertain. We don't need to doubt. Our future in Christ is secure. It's not fragile. It's not insecure hope like we were discussing before. I'm going to ask if we could bring up 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 and 55. These are Paul's words being written to the church at Corinth. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. And these are the words from the Old Testament prophet Hosea. <coughs> Excuse me. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? What's one of the greatest fears among people on the face of the earth today? You can talk to me, it's okay. Yeah. Death, dying the uncertainty that's related with that. What's gonna happen to me? That is what's so glorious about living hope in Jesus Christ. You don't have to worry. We've already talked about it. Who's it secured by? We looked at the latter parts of those verses there. Verse five talks about being guarded by God. That's what our inheritance is. So we don't have to uphold it. It doesn't have to be insured by the FDIC. It's good to go. Then we talked about this fear of death. It's very clear here that uh, death isn't going to have any victory over us in Christ. Jesus has already paid the price. He's already overcome sin and death. It's secure. We don't have to doubt. (coughs) That is living hope. That's something we can be secure in. So let's talk a little bit about that. We come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and if you don't know that today, you can. You can know him. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But the focus on these verses has been that our future is secure. Our inheritance is without fail, without blemish, absolute. Don't have to worry about it. So I'm good to go, right? I've got my ticket punched. My Savior has saved me, I'm secure, I don't have to worry about it. What about today? Am I supposed to wait till the day that I die that God chooses to call me home to experience this living home? Am I supposed to wait until the day that Jesus returns? Perhaps maybe that comes before the day that He calls me home. We're all looking forward to that one. Sit up and get excited. (laughs) He's coming back. We don't know what day it is, but it's coming. Are we supposed to wait for that day to experience living hope? I don't think so. We're supposed to experience it from the time we're converted, from the time that we receive that salvation. We can live in hope, alive, in our Lord and Savior from that day. We don't have to wait. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's look at Romans chapter 5 if we could, please. We're going to look at uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Awesome, awesome words. If we look at verse 2 there, it reads very similar, We're referring to the glory of God. It reads much like what we just read in First Peter, the words of the fisherman, It's talking about what we have to look forward to in the future. And so I can see some of you now, you're nudging the person next to you and you said, he's already said that. He's repeating himself. Maybe we're done. We're, we're not done. We're just getting warmed up. <laughs> look at verse 3. Look what he says. More than that, as great as that is, as fabulous as that is, and it's awesome. I'm not playing it down by any means. Our future is absolutely secure. He's saying there's more to this story. The take-home message is not complete. You have living hope, and you can have it right now. Let's look at it. Talks about suffering in verse 3. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. What's the end product? It's hope. Did we just find a misprint in the Bible? Rejoice in your sufferings. Everybody getting online for that one? Signing up? (laughs) That's a tough sell. Look at how it's described in the verses here. There's a building process, if you will. It progresses one step at a time. How many of you in the room here are involved in some capacity in the building industry? Raise your hand. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you. You do great things. Craftsmanship is not dead. What do they do? Their calling, some of their giftedness, they take piles of things that... uh, less technical, people would call maybe materials or stuff. (laughs) And they take it, and through time, and through investment of blood, sweat, and tears, and through a lot of craftsmanship, they put it together into things like lovely homes and other great things uh, that we can enjoy. There's a building process going on here that's described. It talks about starting out with suffering, on in the context here, the suffering is about suffering for Christ. And so what I want us to ask each other today is as we look around, you can look in the mirror, you can look at your neighbors, excuse me, you don't have to go far at all to see real, genuine suffering. What in the world could God possibly do with that to eventually end in living hope? We're going to talk about that because it's awesome because only God could do it. It's fabulous. As we look around, we look around even within this building and maybe with some of our friends who and our body members who aren't here today, health issues, loss of very dear loved ones, broken relationships, financial issues, and that list goes on. If we had blanks at the end, you could fill in the blanks from your own story, from your own experience. In Christ and only in Christ could these things produce what the next verse calls endurance. What is endurance? Keeping on, keeping on, right? You keep going. How could you possibly produce that? How could we possibly produce that in our humanness? We see some pretty tough people. We hear them talking about pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. I like to think that in a, of, a, of that in a spiritual context. allowing Jesus to pull us up and to carry us. That's awesome. That's living hope. So we talk about suffering to endurance, keeping on, keeping on. I'm going to date myself. Any of you old people ever heard the term "keep on trucking? Some of you young people are looking at me like, what in the world is that? Talk to some of these grayer people like myself and we'll talk about it. Keep on keeping on. Endurance. What does that produce? That produces character. You say, well, there's a character up at the front of the church right now. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) Christ-like character. Suffering, endurance, endurance to character. It's awesome. What is the product of that? That character is Christ-likeness. That's what it is. It's not something that we can gin up in and of ourselves. It comes from Christ. And what does it produce? We started with suffering. We're now several points down the line, and we're at hope. And we're not talking about a what. We're talking about a who. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about living hope. It works, and he works it in us. It's really neat to see what's going on. Does everybody see what's happening here? We're being made more like Christ because of those kinds of situations. Would that be our design? Would that be the way that we would do it? We might say, there's gotta be a different way. This was God's way. So as tough as suffering might be, Remember how we got to this topic. We were talking about our security in Christ, living hope, being born again. We know that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We don't have to worry about what comes after death. It's absolutely guaranteed. It's absolutely secure, and we've got it. Absolutely awesome. And then we talked about, what about right now? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be waiting? You know, That could be exciting, you know, it's like, Jesus is coming back. I may not have to see death. Jesus might come back first. So do I sit and wait? How many of you have rocking chairs? I have one. I have a double rocking chair at my house. They're comfortable, aren't they? God gave us those, and they're kind of exciting, but I don't think he wants us to sit in them and be patient and wait till whatever comes first. He calls us home or Jesus comes back. He's got stuff for us to do. So, we saw what was happening in Romans chapter 5. So, now we've got living hope. We know that there's a charge for today. We're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and we live in a world that oozes hopelessness the absence of hope, the exact opposite of what we're talking about. People can put on facades, people can act like things are okay but we know that their eternity is not secure. We know that the things that they're putting hope in are much like some of the things we talked about when we started this morning. It's feeble. It's fragile. It won't last. It is not alive, and it is not secure. So what do we do? God's beating me up on this one, I can tell you. I'm reading a book. It's by Dave Kinneman. You guys may have heard of the Barna Group. They're the ones that go out and they do the surveys and they ask about Christianity and people's beliefs in the Bible and things like that. They went out and did a survey of people that are ages 16 to 29, about in range. And uh, as a result of that survey, they compiled all their data and everything, and he wrote a book, and he called it UnChristian. Like, right. Well, that's weird. You're talking about godly things and what people think about them. Why would you call it that? He was talking about what people were saying about what they see in Christianity. So some of these people may have claimed to be Christians themselves. Others may have uh, been non-believers, people that are, are far from God. And all they were doing was answering a survey. And they were getting responses in Dave Kinneman's book like hypocritical, judgmental, unforgiving, inflexible i thought about that for a while prayed a lot about that i haven't finished this book yet <laughs> i'm getting torn up and i'm only a third of the way through <laughs> it's rugged i have living hope i have it in the midst of a world that's full of hopelessness and as i have someone who conducts surveys like that and they do them very st- statistically Uh, Those of you who are into that kind of thing, you can basically count on their results. They're pretty sound. And what they're finding is that the people from the outside of Christ, and I'm not just talking about the church building now, I'm talking about the body of Christ, the people who are far from God are saying, I don't see it. As a matter of fact, I see something quite different. I don't see living hope. Now, there are people who do And our prayer would be that the Holy Spirit would move right now. If you're in that place this morning, you say, I don't really understand what you're talking about. Uh, Excuse me. You don't have to leave here today without knowing Jesus Christ. Are people imperfect? Absolutely. Are people progress, works in progress? Absolutely. We just talked about it in Romans chapter 5. If we're looking for perfection in people, we're not going to find it. If our living hope is in Christ, we will, and we do, and we can. People are going to let us down. Obviously, as the church is the body of Christ, we're letting some people down. Some people that are outside of the body, if you will, that are yet to know Christ, are saying, I don't see it what uh, David Kinneman describes us as is a hidden Jesus problem. That's interesting, isn't it? We have living hope and we're hiding it. Let's pull the four-year-olds back in here. What do they do? They have a light and they sing a song. Hide it under a bushel. Yeah, you both sing it. You know what it's about. We should get them back in here. They could teach us a little bit. So, it's living, it's alive, it's encouraging, it's all the hope that the world has, absolutely and positively, and we don't have to doubt it. It's not fragile, it's not fleeting, it's not going away, and we need to be sharing it. So, that said, sit up and clear your throats because we're going to pull up the purpose statement. God's called us some great stuff. Read along with me. To be a growing, relevant family of missionaries who desire to see Western and Gunnison know Jesus Christ. That is an awesome calling. God's put it on our hearts. We need not be bashful about it. We have living hope. We are new creatures in Christ, and people need to, <coughs> excuse me, need to know about it. It needs to be shared. Don't hide it. Don't cover it up. Let's share it. This might be one of the uh, quickest sermons you ever get out of. We're not quite done. I do want to share something with you. Um, Anybody remember the 60s? Uh, I I know that some of you are like, the what? (laughs) 80s, 90s, you know, 2000s, yeah, we can go there. The 60s? I want to look at a song. It's a song of hope. It's from the 60s. Whoops. It's from the 1860s, okay? Pull up the solid rock, if you will, Ryan. I threatened to sing this song in the first uh, service, and I didn't get run out, and I didn't sing it, so I won't sing it here. Aren't you glad that we have Ryan McBride and the worship team? (laughs) They are awesome. They are a blessing from God. They are giving up their gifts to worship God and to help us get there. The Bible says that when we come together and do that, that God inhabits that. How precious is that? That said, I don't want to ruin it. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> but I am going to share the verses. Or the, this is the first verse of The Solid Rock. It was actually uh, written by a gentleman who was a pastor in England And he called it, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. So we kind of changed the title for him and got some key words out of there. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Could you bring up the the chorus, please, which is the next slide. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. A couple months ago, In Kids Jam, this was their sermon. I told you that we would bring the little kids back in and we would talk about not hiding our light under a bushel. They talked about building their lives on the rock and not on the sand. So if you don't catch this part of the message, catch the little kids before they leave. They got it, okay? (laughs) They understood. It stuck. It was beautiful. It was really awesome. So scripturally based song. We would call this a gospel song. Let's go back to, uh, if you would, uh, to the previous slide, which is the first verse of this song. My hope is built on what? The Jesus' blood and righteousness. Nothing less. What's the middle word of the second line there? Okay. It's nothing, isn't it? We would never, ever dream in our wildest imagination of changing the words to this song. We've been talking about our hope in Christ. We've been talking about not just what we have in the future, as awesome as that is, but living in that hope right now today. And yet life gets busy. Life is extremely busy. And we're often lured away from our first love, our first hope, things like materialism. There are some real challenges in life and sufferings, and we talked about those as well. Sometimes it's subtle. We don't mean to lose sight of Christ. We don't purposely put our hope in something else, but things kind of work into our lives, and little by little, this subtle thing happens. Sometimes in our lives, we're rebellious. We're sinful, rebellious people. Sometimes it's more than just subtle. Sometimes it's blatant. So I want you to look at this song again. Look at the middle word there of the second line. I don't think in our wildest imagination, I don't think we would have the guts to do this or dare to do this and we would never sing it out loud. But I'm going to just suggest to you, look at the word, middle word, second line, nothing. Nothing. Replace it with something and sing it to yourself. It's kind of a message that's not easy to hear. Jesus beat me up all week on what to share, how to share, what to do, what to say. (laughs) I was nervous. Think about what that means if we were to just do that subtle word change. And especially if it reflected where we were at. Just losing a little bit of focus. Putting our hope in something else other than our Lord and Savior and what he's done for us. Just losing sight of that victory for just a little bit. And everybody juiced up on coffee, you still with me? Everybody okay? Because I want to kind of talk about this for a second. I don't want to lose you. If we were to do that little word substitution, think about that for a second, what that means. It's basically the equivalent of trading something, or in this case, absolutely everything, for nothing. Does that make sense? Did everybody ride that one through. <laughs> we switch some words around. And all I'm saying is, If that's where we're at, and I think if we're honest, sometimes we can say we are. We serve a risen Savior. We are saved. Our hope is secure. But sometimes in today, and maybe it's because of pressures of life, we we can all make the list. We can all talk about what it is that created that. But whatever got us there, we can repent. We can say, I did the wrong thing. I focused on the wrong thing. I invested hope in the wrong thing. I looked at the frail, the feeble, the fragile, and that's where I was investing some of my hope, as opposed to my hope is built. There's that built word again, just like we saw in Romans chapter 5, right? We talked about it wasn't instantaneous. Some people would say, well, you know, I signed on for the easy stuff. I want it to be non-prescription, over-the-counter, and I don't want to choke on it. I want to be prosperous. I want to have good health and straight teeth. (laughs) Why can't we have it like that? And God says, it's a process. And I'm going to take something that would be very uh, disturbing to you, like we read in Romans And I'm going to build on that. And it's going to look very different in the end. It's not going to look like you at all. It's going to look like Jesus. That's living hope. That's what we're called to. That's what we're supposed to be about. In Christ, we're born again. Being born again, we have a living hope just like we saw from the words of the fisherman, Simon Peter. It's secure. It's absolute. And it's also today. We can live it out. We can experience Christ as he intended. And we can share it with the people who don't know him at all. The Bible says that what we believe in Christ to people outside of Christ is foolishness. So don't be shocked, and nobody is, that a lot of the truth that we try to share doesn't seem to go where we want it to go. That's exactly why we need to pray. That is exactly why we need to be about our purpose statement. We need to own it. If you're part of Bethany, we don't cover it up. We don't sugarcoat it. We don't give it some other spin. We don't do spin. (laughs) God's called us here to have living hope, to experience it, to be the body of Christ together, and to share it with everybody who doesn't know it. It's not hard. It might be a little different than maybe what we're experiencing at the present. We just need to take a step of faith and share what we've got. I want to thank you guys for listening to me today. I don't even really know what time it is. I haven't looked at my watch. But uh, God is good. We love you. You need to know that you are prayed for. As the body of Christ in this setting, you're not alone. People are lifting you up continually. You have living hope. Sit up straight. Put a smile on your face. We're not talking about emotion here. We're talking about something that is absolute and positive. It's awesome. Take it, share it with the people in this room, share it with the people who aren't in this room, on the campus where you're getting that degree, where you work, where you go to school, everywhere else, it's living hope. It's exciting. In two weeks we're gonna be talking about Easter. So we kinda just scratched the surface today. God is good. God is great. He's a loving God. That's where our hope sits. That's where our hope stands. Thank you guys for being enduring today. I appreciate your time. We love you guys. And I ask the worship team to come up. As they're playing, maybe there's something that you, excuse me, would like to pray about. You know Jesus Christ, but maybe like we shared the words of the solid rock, maybe there's been a little bit of distraction, a little bit of loss of focus, and you'd like to pray about that as a child of God. Maybe you've heard for the very first time God speak to you today. You really didn't know that there was living hope. You thought maybe what the world was offering was all there was, and you'd like to come and pray and experience Jesus for the first time. I'm here. Others will be here. If we flood the front of this, we'll get more prayer warriors. There's a bunch of them in this body of Christ. God bless you guys. We love you. Thank you very much.